1: Hashtag no filter. Today's episode is with Lauren McGoodwin. And Lauren McGoodwin is the founder of Career Contessa, which is the go to resource online for women uh, for anything having to do with career. From Articles on how to land the job, how to nail the interview, how to negotiate salaries, uh, to everything in between. It is truly such a resource. If you have never been to CareerContessa.com, check it out, and you will just – you'll be on the site for hours. You will literally go down a rabbit hole, a great rabbit hole of um, information. So I'm really excited to have Lauren on the podcast today because we are talking about lots of good stuff. You're going to want to take notes and bookmark this episode. We talk about um, negotiating your salary. We talk about email etiquette. Uh, We talk about when you have a Uh, passion project on the side when and you really hate your job and what to do in that situation Uh, we talk about um, if you work remote you know work from home advice and words of wisdom on that and so so much more Uh, we packed a lot into the next 45 minutes as well, aside from the site, careercontessa.com, she also has a podcast, The Females Podcast, and she's also coming out with a book. So she's a little busy, to say the least. I did want to mention, you might notice the audio quality on this episode is a little different than normal. It's not as crisp and clear. That's because a cord, that it's, it's a boring story, but basically a cord that I needed, I didn't have because I didn't know I'd be out of town for as long as I am, so forth and so on. So uh, this episode, it's still great, it's still fine, but it is a li- you'll hear the audio quality. quality. Quality is a little different than normal, Um, but it's great. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Here is Lauren McGoodwin of Career Contessa on episode fifty-three of Hashtag No Filter. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Well everyone in the intro I explained who you are and everyone I believe already knows of you or at least of the career <laughs> <Tessa>. <laughs> which is you which is amazing um so we have a lot I want to talk about a lot of questions I got over Instagram but first can you give a little background about you how the career Contesta came to be and now your podcast the females podcast and your upcoming book so kind of a little synopsis of your life
2: <laughs> Yeah. well I'll, I'll try to keep it brief for sure I am um, I went to University of Oregon was planning to become a teacher. Um, graduated in two thousand nine, not a good year to graduate as most really not a good year in general for most right. people. <laughs> um, but I also had decided at the like somewhere around my junior year that I also didn't want to be a teacher. So I was that person who graduated with uh no job prospects, but also like didn't have any of the right experience to basically do anything. So I moved to Los Angeles and because I thought, oh, I just need to have a, a bigger job market. Moved to Los Angeles, got a job working at a university. I was an administrative assistant. Uh, not shocking to probably anybody. It was really not engaging, really kind <laughs> soul sucking and, and kind of, I think really spurred me into this, like where I am today, which is sort of this obsession with like, not just how to build a successful career, but a fulfilling career. Um, and so I ended up Kind of obviously having a bit of an attitude change, and I ended up getting this random assignment to do some recruiting. And the way universities recruit is they're recruiting um, co- uh, community college students to enroll in the four-year universities. So very different than what we think of, but they called it recruiting. Um, long story short, I became obsessed with recruiting. I like I just knew that was the career for me. And in hindsight, when I think about like my strengths, it's not shocking that I was you know super excited about that. Um, ended up having, um, about 30 informational interviews over a nine month period with recruiters in the LA area, um, had no, idea, you know, didn't really know anything about recruiting. So I did that to learn about it and then leverage those into a recruiting job at Hulu. And that was really a very defining moment in my career, in my life. So I go to work at Hulu. It's a startup. It's growing. I, when you're at a startup, you're not just a recruiter. You're all the other things that you end up being, um, learned a lot, I was also writing my master's thesis on millennial women and career resources. Like I said, this was, that was like very much a defining moment of my life to kind of be like, I'm obsessed with this career thing. Yeah, so and then I, um, so while I was at Hulu, I was writing my thesis and Career Contessa, believe it or not, was uh, like essentially the prototype of my thesis. My thesis was essentially saying like, hey, there isn't a career resource for women and here's why there needs to be one, here's what it should include. And the university I was going to actually gave me the money to to create the very first version yeah. of Contessa. Yeah, I fell into some weird loophole and I got like this grant anyway, um, which is why you should always investigate that kind of stuff because you never yeah. know. So I do that. And I, at first I was like, I'm just going to keep this around because I love it. I love, I love the whole like research about career development, career growth. Uh, I loved talking about like basically saying like, Hey, no, it actually is different to be a woman at work. And nobody was doing this. This is like in 2012, 2013, nobody was talking about this. Um, I was also, while I was at Hulu, I didn't have, you know, female bosses, there wasn't any females on the executive team. So this was just sort of sort of the, like the tipping point of that kind of stuff. Um, but I eventually left Hulu to work on Career Contessa full time, I'm sure like a lot of entrepreneurs, because you feel so compelled that this thing that you're building has to be out there and it has to get to more people because it can have a huge impact on more people. And so I will say like, I think when I left Hulu, they I remember them being like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, I was crying. You know, I was crying. Right. I was like, yeah. You know, I'm not sure if this is the right move. I'm leaving this job that I love, that has stability. But sometimes you have to do this really brave thing. And it obviously leads into other stuff. But it was that was really the start of career Contessa. And and of course, in hindsight, I probably should have done a little bit more planning (laughs) for her business. (laughs) Everything is still clear in hindsight. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I don't regret, you know, jumping off and building this. I actually, it's funny because I had gone to, uh, South by Southwest. And w- one of the tipping points for me to actually leave is I went to this entrepreneurial panel and they were all like, it was like, what was your biggest regret? And they're like, Oh, that I didn't start earlier. So I, I definitely left because I heard that panel and everyone was like, you got to start, you got to start. But yeah. I it was sort of like, okay, I jumped and I forgot that you're supposed to like make sure there's like something to land on, but, um, you know, <laughs>
1: but it worked out for you. So. It
2: worked out. I, you know, like some painful, a lot of painful moments at times, but yes, it has overall, it's worked out. So yeah, that's the origin story of career. And Death. Wow. And then, like, you know, just in terms of, you know, you mentioned the podcast and the book, we're building a resource. You cannot build a resource overnight. And so we have started. Um, it's important for people to know, like we've been around for almost six years and we just slowly keep adding things to the resource, whether it's written articles, then it's downloadable resources, you know, most recently the podcast and coming up as the book. But, um, I think it's important to note, like none of that happened overnight.
1: Right. I mean, if you could, you go on your website and I mean, you can, it's just, you, I could be on there for hours. There's so much, con- so much good content. And like you said, it's a resource. And I didn't like, and I believe you said this a minute ago, there was really, there's, there was nothing like this out there. Like career contest is really the first of its kind, right?
2: Yeah. And I would even argue, and of course I'm biased, but like, <laughs> I could even argue that we're still the only one out there, you know, yeah. like there's are still people who, I mean, you can go to LinkedIn, which is the equivalent of going to like a big box store or mm-hmm. you're where we've curated everything, but we have almost everything, um, that LinkedIn has, we're just much more curated and we are speaking to a very specific person. Uh, where they're obviously speaking to everyone and like, you need to have a mix of all of that, but yeah, of course,
1: of course. yeah I would argue yeah. that
2: we're probably still, you know, the ones out there who are yeah. really creating the resource.
1: Right. Right. I was going to say that because I'm like, I don't really actually know any other sites like yours. But, and you also haven't, forgive me, because I can't remember the, you have a salary calc, not a salary calc, Uh-oh. What do you have on the side? Of- that's we have
2: amazing. a salary database, which yeah. is a juicy little thing. Uh, it's it, it. So you are anonymous on it, obviously, right. but it tells you, or people submit their salary. And then you, after you submit your salary, you get to look at all the salaries that have been submitted. And there's like over 50,000 salaries in there. So, um, you know, we, one of the things I know that's really important is like, you've got to give people access to information. And if you're not, then they, 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 they're not as well equipped to go out and negotiate or to determine their career path or something like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, and I'm sure a ton of bloggers and, you know, influencers, whatever you want to, you know, call, you know, that industry that goes to your site. There's a lot of, for so long, that industry, the the numbers and the, the amount of money people were making and it, it was very hush-hush, and I feel like it's really gotten people are much more open. I've noticed even on Insta stories, some of the bloggers I follow are talking about not, you know, their salary, but at least they're talking about like, well, generally for an Instagram post, if you have this many followers, you could expect to make this much. And I think that's so great. Like how do you know otherwise? (laughs) Yeah. I will
2: also tell you because this is, I mean, it's kind of like this, you're right. It is a hush hush thing. I got invited once to this marketing uh, breakfast and there were a lot of brands there. And so I got kind of basically invited as a brand, but I think they were confused that I'm usually the person who's getting paid by a brand to advertise. And these brands were essentially bragging about the fact that they will pay Bloggers different amount of monies for, uh, money for the same work, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Wait, this, yeah, really it was terrible. Yeah, and they were basically bragging about they're like, "Yeah, well, some bloggers, you know, they're not really sure what to ask for, so you can tell them you'll pay them this much, and they'll take all the photos for you, and you can work it into the contract." I mean, oh, like, gosh. yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty terrible. That was terrible. definitely like an eye opening moment for me, where I was like, "We have to start talking about money and how much we're getting paid for things because." If not, they are taking advantage of us and they're literally bragging about it.
1: Exactly. Well, even, um, I mean, especially in your site is, of course, for women. And I know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with her, especially in LA, but Kat Sadler, it speaks a lot about, oh you, uh, yeah. Yeah. yes, she speaks a lot about, you know, equal pay and. And, and you know, so it's good to know all this information. So I like that you're you have I a resource.
2: Also, good to know. Like, I mean, it's terrible that it happened to Cat Sadler, but it's one of those things where it doesn't matter how high you get up in your career, you've got to pay attention to this. Yeah. Um, I interviewed um the woman who ran Jill Abramson. She was the first editor for the New York Times, executive female executive editor for the Female Times or New York Times, and yeah, <laughs> found out that she was being paid less than her male counterparts. I mean, like, it doesn't matter if you're the highest. Oh, right. we're going to right you know screwed <laughs> you
1: have to be aware exactly no your website incredible such a great resource so obviously people people that are do do the majority of people that go to your website maybe it's mixed maybe I, I don't know is the majority like people that are just kind of getting out of college stepping into the you know the workplace or is it more people that are transitioning careers or is it a mix like who's going to your site every day
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So we find that people who are within that 10 to 15 year range of their career, they're the ones who are using our resource the most. So I would say not people who are in college, and maybe even people who are like their first one or two years out of school aren't as like familiar with all the career tools maybe yet. The majority of our group is that first 10 to 15 years of their career. So that is, yes, they're probably making a career transition. I mean, people change jobs up to 12 times in their lifetime. So you can imagine a lot of them are happening in the beginning part definitely people who are moving into management roles, people who are starting to make real money, right? Like you, you've got enough experience that now you're at a point where you get to negotiate against those skills. You've got, you have a better idea of maybe what the market value is of your skills. So, um, certainly the 10, 10 to 15 year range, which ends up being anywhere from like the 25
1: to 40 year old. Right, right. Exactly. So in terms that you just mentioned, you know, being, we were just talking about pay and salaries, and this is going to be hard. I'm sure you have millions of articles to direct people to. But what would you say are like your top tips or things to think about when you're trying to negotiate your salary, when you're at that point in the interview process and you're talking numbers? What how like because that can be so stressful and scary. Like what could you give like a couple pointers Yeah. I mean, my first pointer always is for people to
2: do research. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it should never be like, you just had an idea that you wanted to ask for money, uh, earlier that morning. And by the afternoon, you're sitting down with your boss to do it. Like you've got to do this in a really impressive way. Um, because you kind of have that one, I don't want to say one shot that sounds intimidating, but you really do have this like one shot to make this really good ask. And then the negotiation starts. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so a couple of things is definitely like, plan this out. Do not just like wake up one morning and have this idea and do it. So plan it out, research. So, you know, use tools like the salary project, go talk to people in your company, talk to men and women, because women, uh, traditionally there is a wage gap. So you need to make sure that you're asking men how much they make so that you can have a good idea of what is actually the real, the real number that people are making for this role. And Mm -hmm. one thing I do not like is I, I do not like the phrase, you know, determine your worth your worth as a person is already amazing right this is not about your the the worth of your self-worth we are trying to figure out what is the you know there's a market value for your skill set and that's what we're trying to determine you as a person are already amazing so I think it's it's also you know there's a piece of this that also requires a mindset shift um Mm -hmm. So yes, research, talk to men and women, determine what they're making, help you figure out, okay, here's actually a really appropriate range um, for me to go in and ask for. And when you are making that ask, we actually have a script on Career Contessa called the Gimme Script, so you can certainly go and use that, and it really lays out how to ask for that. Um, the other thing is like, be prepared. If they say no, what else would you want to ask for? Um, and kind of figure out what are your top priorities? So there, there's, you know, there is no one size fits all approach to this, but I think what irritates employers is somebody who comes in and asks for a salary and they either make it personal, they don't connect it to the company's goals and why this is good for the company. So you yeah. have to kind of like reverse engineer this and understand like, OK, what are they looking for? Because ultimately, you want to make it easy for them to say yes. And they're looking for their company to grow. They're looking for their company to continue to have, you know, maybe a consistent leader in the role. Um, so there, there's a lot more than just like I showed up for the last right. year after the raise,
1: you know. Right. right. There's a lot in research, uh, starting with research. Absolutely. And then once you've gotten, OK, so let's say you've gotten the job, you agree on the salary, you're happy, it's all, it's all great, and you're, you're starting out what would you say it's a a few part question okay but first how close is too close how personal is too personal when it comes to your coworkers, your boss you know a lot of the the environments in these offices these are very casual which I love and we all love is more casual and and kind of just different than it was back in the day how close is too close is it not good to become super chummy with your friends and your boss like and your colleagues and your boss like what do you think on that?
2: Yeah. And, you know, I I think it's important that you're able to bring your full self to work. uh, And that means, you know, you're naturally going to bring your emotions and you're going to bring your family and personal life. I do think it's important that you have some boundaries, right? And so if that means that, for example, if you're a boss, the boundary maybe needs to be that you need to be their boss and not their friend. So I personally, I don't go to happy hours with my employees because it's like, that is a, that's a boundary line for me where I'm like, Hey, if we're doing celebrations in the office, I'm good with it. If you guys are hanging out outside of work, I'm not part of that. And that's, that's great. Um, I think when you're an employee Um, I think again, like keeping things in the office, sharing about your life, you know, all of that stuff is good, but there is a place where it's like, okay, I, I, maybe this is something where I want to keep it private. It's mine. Um, or like, for example, if you're having issues with your, in your marriage, like maybe it's like, okay, it's always good to have some people outside of work that you can talk to, um, because maybe you're not ready to bring that stuff to work. Um, or maybe you can just share like, Hey, you know, I'm having um i'm having like a really challenging moment personally so it's just you know you know like just heads up if it takes me a little longer to respond to something like i do think communication is really good i just don't think you always have to like share everything i mean there's that phrase tmi too much information <laughs> it's like you can yeah. share information without having to tell us every detail and i think that is um certainly more of an art than a science but i i think that's important it's like i'm not saying you know, be a robot, but I am saying like, Hey, maybe like, I don't know. I was in LA. It's really funny. Cause it's like people who are going to Coachella, that's great right. going to Coachella. You don't have to tell us every detail of what you did. At Coachella. You know what I mean? Like we don't need to know all that. We just need to right. like, you're excited to do
1: that. Exactly. Cause it can be hard because I've even, you know, I have friends of mine that have teams, whether it's, a small team or, you know, a team of two or a team of 10 and they hire these women and men, but primarily women, they hire these women because they think these are great people, you know, going to do great for their business, great personality. They jive well. So sometimes it's hard to not become friends, right? Like right. it can be challenging.
2: <laughs> well, but I would say one tip I learned from uh, Candace Morgan, she is head of um, inclusion and diversity at Pinterest is mm-hmm. she said... Do not hire for culture fit. Hire for value fit. And I think that's a really important uh, you know, difference between like hiring yeah. people you like and you want to go to happy hour with. When right. you hire people who have the same values as you or your company, that is that's better for the long term. Culture fit is really good for the social side, but obviously yeah. businesses are one part relationships and the other part is like getting work done, right? Right
1: right that's a good I like that's a good piece of advice because it can be challenging like you almost sometimes I feel would I mean I've never managed a team I've had like an intern but I I, you know you, you like them so you want to bring them on but it's like okay wait this is a this is a work environment <laughs> right
2: so okay. I'm just- and I think if you're going to do what I just said with like have values like higher based off of values fit you have to understand what your values are and you have to be able to articulate them or maybe even write them down and make sure when people are coming in for an interview they read that first you know like the, the more information you can give people, the better job you'll do at hiring the right person long term. And honestly, I think a lot of people as, you know, like starting businesses, there's so much stuff to do. And people hate taking the time for the processes, the, you know, the documents that outline who we are. It just it that stuff doesn't, it feels like that stuff doesn't make you money, but it does make you money because you, right. you hold on to those employees and you have the right employees from the get-go.
1: Right, that makes sense. That's a great point. And I guess on the flip side, let's say you don't like your or you have I don't know issues, or you just don't really jive with your colleagues, and you're just really not liking work, and you're you've been kind of working on I guess a passion project or something you just love that's fulfilling you more creatively on the side. At what point do you do you think it's a good idea where you can kind of leave your, you know, very, you know, comfortable nine to five job, let's say, and go to that passion project? Is it when you're making a certain amount of money? Like what, how how do you, when do you kind of transition into that?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, so first thing I think oftentimes people will start a passion project because they're not fulfilled at work and they're looking for that passion project to kind of fill the void or give them excitement or just be the answer to like, I'm bored here and I I want something else to do. And my first thing I would caution people against is like, so when you turn your passion project or your hobby into your full time job, it's no longer a passion project or a hobby, it's a job. So Mm -hmm. one thing you should first consider is like, you know, are there parts of this passion project or this job um, especially if it's not making money yet that maybe I could do more of here at work like maybe it's just that you are really energized with the creative process of whatever you're doing for your passion project and maybe there's a way to like bring that into your day-to-day job and so you can kind of tiptoe toward the the full you know turning your your uh, passion project into right. your job so I think I think there's just like a piece of this where it's like okay wait before you make these quick moves let's reflect for a second because when people are uncomfortable and I've been there there too you're desperate for a change and it's kind of it's like the girl who gets you know has the breakup and then they cut off all their hair like we, yes. we want that change so desperately um and and people are more much more quick to change the outward stuff than they are the inward stuff but if you can take time to reflect a little bit like why is this job not why am I not happy in this job why does it not work for me that will either I think that will one help you answer okay is it time to then turn my passion project into my full job full-time job or is it like I'm not done here or you know like that I think will help answer a lot of questions in general let's say you go through that process and you decide okay it is time to leave this job it's um I'm you know for all these reasons this is not the place for me so then my next tip for people would be okay well what do you need to live when you know when you don't have that stable paycheck anymore because maybe you can't just up and quit on a tuesday maybe you actually need yeah. to wait for six to eight months just that information alone will still energize you because you'll still feel pumped up knowing like okay in eight months i'm out of here but what do you need to do to plan because if you ditch your job or you you quit your job and you yeah. go into that passion project full-time and and then life gets really stressful because you can't pay for bills, you're not sure what you're doing, trust me, it doesn't matter how passionate you are about that project, you will start to resent it. So, you know, my, my, my overall advice with this is a little bit like pump the brakes a second Mm -hmm. and recognize that like, it's all going to happen, but let's be thoughtful about how we're going to make this plan happen.
1: Right. Like, don't let one, cause I mean, I'm totally guilty of, you know, impulsively sometimes doing things or jumping in head first without, you know, thinking a little more. And so it's kind of like, just because the day was so awful and you hate your job so much, like take a minute, like just don't make any rash or decisions right away.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I've got news for people and you know this too, like when you're working for yourself, you're awesome. To have bad days where you hate oh, it. Gosh. You want to quit. So this is not, it's like you take yourself wherever you go, right? This yeah. is not necessarily the job. This is the quote unquote co- company, right? It's the company yeah. you're working for or needing to work for your own company. And so I just, I think oftentimes one of the things that I think about with careers too, is like people think there's some sort of like you know, rule or, Mm -hmm. you know, box that we're in. And it's like, nope, there's, it's not a box. It's a squiggly little circle that ebbs and flows and forms however you need it to form. And guess what? You can also pop the circle open and leave it and come back in. Like there's no rules here. You get to, you know, and especially now, like the, the rules of what a career looks like is so unique and creative and that's so awesome. But I think sometimes, um, human nature is that we like a rigid plan and we're trying to then create a rigid plan without, you know, a rigid, um, I guess, like foundation.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it, like you said, you know, even when you work for yourself, I mean, grass is always greener, right? Like oh, yeah. there are days where I'm, you know, working in this actually goes right into my next question perfectly. You know, I, so yeah, I work for myself and I work from home. I work remote. Sometimes I'll be at a coffee shop. Sometimes I might work in someone's office, but it can be isolating when you work for yourself. If it's just you and you are working from home, how do you, you know, I'm sure a lot of the women that go to your site are, you know, starting to do their own thing and maybe working on their own and it can be isolating. What do you, what do you kind of your words of wisdom in that? Like, do you say like, go to a coffee shop every day, get a co working space? Like, you know, some Sometimes it's hard to just work at home.
2: Oh, I think working at home is like one of the biggest myths out there. Cause it's like, you know, when you're at work, you're like, Oh, the people who work yes. have it so good. And then you start working <laughs> from home and you're like, this is ridiculous. Like no, I mean, yes, it's
1: nice like on a Friday, let's say I had a dinner plan. And on a Thursday night, and I was tired the next morning. It's nice to be able to work in my sweatpants, but I, sometimes like, I really, I think it seems a lot more exciting to work from home than it is. <laughs> yeah. I think what people are, confusing is what they want
2: is flexibility that's yeah. what they want they want the flexibility to be able to go into the office later or not at all it's not that they want and this we've seen this again with human nature like you know either end of the spectrum doesn't work well for people like when i worked in an office where we were there nine to five and if you did mm-hmm. not go to lunch right at noon at 12.05 someone came in and asked you if you were going to lunch today and you're like of course i'm going to lunch today right. you know but the point being is like We don't live well in these extremes. We live really well. I mean, some people live well in those extremes, obviously, but most people live fairly well somewhere in the middle where it ebbs and flows a little bit. So truly what people want is flexibility. So I think that... That is really, but I also think having some sort of structure when you are an entrepreneur is also really, really important because you, especially if you're going from a workplace that was really structured to now you're working on your own, it's like a pendulum swing that your brain can't quite get oh, yeah. up really quickly. So I would say um, if you're starting out and you are working for yourself, I definitely think investing in co work spaces or having a coffee shop, any place where you're just out and you, you know, you have, to, you set a schedule for yourself. So for example, maybe, you know, every Tuesday, Thursday, you go to a certain coffee shop and you're there from 10 to whatever, um, maybe Fridays, you always work from home and Mondays and Wednesdays, you always go to a co space, whatever it is, you've got to create a for yourself and I would say the same for like if people are job searching and they you know they're currently unemployed go to create a schedule and and it you know have it so that you know from nine to five give yourself a lunch break treat it like a job um Mm. and I would say this same, you know when you're working on your own business obviously it is a job but you gotta you gotta create some structure because it's um it can kind of I don't want to say get out of control, that's way too extreme, but I think oftentimes yeah. <laughs> people don't do that kind of stuff, and then they recognize like if I don't take care of myself, and part of that requires me getting out and socializing, then I can't do my job really well. And self-care is not just bubble baths, self-care is recognizing Okay, when I'm alone in my apartment working, I kind of get a little negative, I kind of get a little like, weird, I I recognize I really need to do this thing, or I really need to exercise or whatever it is, like, you got to know what's right for you. And then you've got to prioritize it.
1: Right, I love that. So uh, I know because it's funny. Like sometimes I actually have friends that are like, I could never work from home because I would have no motivation. I would just yeah. be watching TV. You know, it's just funny. People have different personalities, but it can be hard. Like some days, I love it. I am like the most productive person, like at my house all day. And some days, I have got to go work at a sh- coffee shop or even like I sometimes will just go to like a diner or like a restaurant that has yeah. Wi-Fi. And I just need to get out.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think also like ultimately you learn a lot about. Your- yourself. And so part of it is maybe just keeping track of your patterns, right? Like, uh, your pattern is like you said, like, I, I agree. Like I always work from home on Fridays and I get a ton done Mm -hmm. and I love that I can, you know, run the laundry machine at the same time. But if I worked from home every single day, I know that I wouldn't be as productive. And I also know that I'm a person where I'm better when I have when I'm doing some work with other people, like I like the collaboration process. And so that's been really important
1: for me to, um, you know, I guess, prioritize that in my business as well. Right, exactly. I know whenever I, like, after I have a lunch or some collaborative, you know, whether it's a meeting or a lunch or a coffee, I feel so energized after, yeah. like, why don't I do this more often? <laughs>
2: yeah, 100%. And so, you know, not everybody can have, you know, a coffee with you every week. But another thing I did when I first started uh, my business that I would encourage people to do is find somebody who maybe is in a similar situation, but not like a direct competitor. And, um... And have a weekly or a bi-week, not bi-weekly, bi-monthly call with them that's just pre-planned. So I have this woman who I'm still really close with, um, and she has since gone back into corporate, but she started a business, and every other Friday, we had time on the calendar. And I think that was really a I life. That. Yeah.
1: I think that's a great idea because then it's something to look forward to. You know, and actually, I, I've seen that people do that. I've, like, heard that. Maybe I, read it in an artic- maybe I read it in an article you wrote. I don't know. But, I yeah, I love that idea. I do. And what about in terms of, um, which, I mean, it doesn't matter whether you work from home or work for a boss, a a huge corporation. Okay. Can we talk email etiquette? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) My favorite. Well, first let's start. I'll backpedal a second. Do you believe in inbox zero? And if so, how someone I think asked this on Instagram and if so, how do you achieve it? Do you set aside like time blocked hours to do emails or, or how do you do that?
2: Yeah. So I do believe in inbox zero. I think when, um, and I forget who it is. Somebody's writing a book about this or has a book out and it's called like outer, uh, what is it? It's like outer control, inner calm or something like that. And the point being is like, if you have like, it's like walking into a kitchen and the kitchen being really clean, you feel calm. Well, that's how I feel about my inbox. If my inbox is exploding and things are happening all over the place. I'm not very calm inside. So I believe in inbox zero because that's what I prefer in order to like be a calm individual. So I do prioritize, um, email time each day. I do, ch- uh, you know, chunk my time up. Um, and I also have been starting to have themes to my day. So like mm-hmm. Monday is usually my marketing day. And so I spent my prioritize my time on a lot of marketing related tasks. Fridays are pretty much a a lot of times my admin days. So like, you know, um, doing like my QuickBooks stuff, any other admin related things. So I will also knowing that I have themes to my day and I'm checking email at a minimum three times a day. I'm really going through those. I'm either answering them really quickly or I'm putting them into the folders. And then depending on the day where I'm prioritizing those tasks, I get to it then. So I like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I think everyone finds what works for them. That might be, like, way too organized to some people, but it works for me um, because it allows me to... What I found is, like, before I was reacting every time an email came in, and certainly there are some emails that come in that are high priority and they require media attention, but oftentimes, you know... G- I mean, I'm, I'm waiting no longer than like maybe a day to respond to somebody based off of the way my themes work and the fact that it if it requires a response or it's, if it's a response that is going to take me five minutes or less, I'm going to answer it. Right. So that seems to really work well for me.
1: Yeah. I I love that. I sometimes, cause I, I know someone that, um, has a, even has like an auto response that says like, I check emails at this time of day. Like I'll get back to you at this time. And I think it depends. Like for me, if it's something's urgent, I'll, if it's under, takes me under a few minutes, I'll answer right then. If it requires more thought, I mean, I'll save it for later, but I agree with inbox zero. When I see people's phones, that has like 27,000 emails. <laughs> I have like agita. Like I, I can't, I can't understand it. <laughs> yeah,
2: my my mom is like that, and I was home. This was like a couple of weeks ago, and I looked at it, she had three thousand emails on that little thing on her phone I was like there are two types of people in the world there's you and there's me and she was laughing she's like why do you have to go through I don't need to delete them I was like I we're just wired differently you know what can I say
1: I can't see any red notifications on my phone like I have to go update like I have to like if it's an app update thing where you know 17 updates like I I don't like looking at the red notifications I yeah and I will also
2: say another thing you can utilize is um so you you mentioned like the auto response where it's like, I don't check emails after five o'clock or when you're really busy. Right. That I think over communication never hurts. So mm-hmm. if you are having a trouble with inbox zero, put that as an auto response. Like, look, I, I get, I receive a large volume of emails each day. I take my time to thoughtfully respond and I will respond to you within five business days, whatever it is. The other thing. Yeah. That I'm a big fan of is um, where you can schedule emails to get sent out so that you're not the person who's like, especially if you are running a team or you're a manager, it's very important that there are some boundaries in the office, like if you're telling your employees, look, we, I don't expect you to work past whatever time. Right. And then you're the the boss who's always sending emails at eight o'clock at night. It makes them feel like they have to be doing it too. Or if you send all these emails on Sunday night, that's a much more popular scenario. Um, it makes them feel like they should be getting on email at Sunday. And, and like, so you can't set these rules and then, you know, break them every time. So I utilize the, the schedule send that makes, so that, oh, yeah, you know, it doesn't leave my brain. Like I don't have to, Try to remember what I'm trying to say for the next four days. Instead, I can schedule to send when somebody's back. And I think it's very, very important that people respect out of offices and they respect people's boundaries. Otherwise,
1: all this advice about how to set boundaries and how to say no means nothing. I yeah, no, I love that idea. This schedule then you can just do that through your Gmail business um, email account. Yeah,
2: exactly. And, um, when you go to hit send, there's like a little arrow and it will say uh, more options and then you can hit schedule send and there's a whole little category and you can see all the ones that are I scheduled
1: that. to go. Mm-hmm. It's because sometimes like I'm my mo- most productive self oftentimes on a Sunday, but I don't want to, especially if I'm like pitching something, like I don't want to bother someone on a Sunday and then, you know, so that's a great yeah. thing. That's a great thing to utilize. So in terms of, email etiquette and and follow. So I'm a big follow-up person. I'm a huge email person. I I actually enjoy emails. I'm I'm strange. But I feel like all I do is follow up. Like what, if you receive an email, like you said, if it takes under five minutes to respond, you'll typically respond pretty quickly. What, what, sometimes you don't hear back. And how often is too often to follow up? And then when do you become kind of like a stalker? Like, you know, at what point do you stop following up?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so... One, I think following up is really important. Like some of the the best deals of my life have happened through following up. So, um, and one of the funny things is this book deal that I got, um, the agent reached out to me. Um, I forget what year. And I was like, look, I'm just too busy. Can you follow up a year later? She literally followed up a year later, wow. got in touch with me. I made the proposal. We sold it, yada, yada. So like wow. following up, really truly, sometimes people are just telling you the truth. Like, I just need you to follow up later. So, one, definitely always follow up in terms of how to do it without being annoying. Um, I think there, I always ca- kind of follow, I mean, this is more if you're like applying for a job. I always tell yeah. people to follow this like one, two, three rule, which is you wait a week and you follow up with them. Then you wait two more weeks, you follow up with them. Then you can wait a fi- you know, three weeks after that. So it ends right. up being like a total of six weeks. Um, that's if you're applying for a job and, and while, why I give that advice is like, you've, Clearly, there's a time urgency around like, okay, if this job was open, they're probably interviewing. But in terms of like what we do, where you're talking to people where there might not be a time urgency, it might just be like, hey, I want to get in touch with you about this thing, or we talked about that. Now I want to get on the calendar. I kind of like a, a three week rule. So you send your first email and then you wait about three weeks um, and reach back out to them. I'm I'm kind of like after two or three reach outs, I I, I let it go. Like it's you just not about, about it. it. Yeah, but you know what? I've had people then come back to me like months later and say, OK, now we're ready to move forward with that deal. So you know. Just because you 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 followed up three weeks and then you gave it another like maybe three weeks, and then after that you said, Okay, I'm done. I followed up with them a bunch of times. I didn't even hear from them. If you hear from them, it's almost like the timing can start all over. But right. if you didn't hear from them at all, you know, don't lose hope in the fact that like they still might come back to you. Um, you never know what's on you know other people's plates. And also I would say be strategic about when you're following up with people. You know, most people, you know, start to kind of check out on Friday. So if they require a lot of work for their email, they'll yeah. probably save it to Monday. Monday's probably a lot of urgent stuff and anything that's landed in their inbox that they have to get out. So maybe pick like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, sometime in the middle of the week
1: that you might have a
2: better chance of getting a response.
1: Right, right. I love that. Yeah, it's true. I mean, because so, sometimes I feel like all I'm doing is following up. Am I annoying them? But the reality is they probably have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails. Like, I don't think they're annoyed with me. I think they're either busy or maybe they're just not interested and not communicating that to me, but I don't think they're like annoyed. No, I actually
2: think most people really appreciate a a follow-up. I think if people are aggressive, then yes, they start to get annoyed. That's right. One thing I would say about email etiquette that I think is super important, and I'm trying to spread the word about this, is the double opt-in. Meaning do not just agree to introduce your friend to this other person. Check with the other person first and make sure that they want to be introduced. Their schedule allows them to be introduced to this person. That's super important. So stop, I think everyone needs to stop doing this thing when they're like, oh, I know that person. I'll just intro you guys via email. Yeah. Ask the person first, because obviously you want your friend to be successful with getting in touch with this person or connecting. And, and part of that connection is getting the buy-in to begin with. And also it's just respectful of people's time. And, and it, you know, I I just think that's kind of when we're talking about email etiquette, that is something that not enough people do. And I really think that should be more the norm.
1: It's true. That's such a good point. I love personally, I love connecting people. I've moved a lot. So I've like kind of random pockets of people and I love, and I think like a while back, I didn't, well, no, I, I'm trying to remember if I checked with the other person, but now like I always make it a point because what if the other person just like, cannot be bothered with that right now, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's such a it's good point. It's not
2: personal, right? It's not personal at all. They're just, and again, we're, we're giving this advice about say no when it, when it's too much for you. So we have to like, you know, if we're going to give this advice,
1: we also have to follow it. And I think that's very, very important. I love that. I love that. Oh my God, there's so many things I want to ask you about, but I, as we like start to close it out, I always end the episodes with like a fun little quick fire round of like fun questions that have nothing really to do with what <laughs> we were just talking about. But before we do that, before I get into those, what would you say, this could be really hard for you, I don't know, is the best piece of business advice, career advice you've ever been given? Um, I think some of the
2: best advice i've ever been given is to be patient um you know like it doesn't happen overnight and that's and that's a really good thing um the other thing i've been given the advice of and I just think it's really true is nobody knows what they're doing every what they're doing everybody is winging it so stop doing this thing where you're comparing yourself yeah. to else because nobody knows what they're doing. They're all figuring right. it out.
1: <laughs> it's hard though. The comparison game, I, I mean, I do it with, you know, whether I'm looking at other podcasters or other writers, it's hard to not compare, but it's, you got to just the suit, like it's, no one really knows.
2: Yeah. It's definitely a discipline that requires work. And with all disciplines, it's, you know, it's equivalent of Like, it's not a diet, it's a lifestyle. Like life. this is not a one time, don't look at Instagram today. This is a like, you've got to create this lifestyle that that doesn't put you into this compare
1: and despair vibe. Right. Right. I love that. Okay. Great. All right. Now, of these fun questions, let's start with. Okay, if you were in a movie or if there was sorry, if there was a movie made about your life, who would play you?
2: Oh, um, well, I used, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this thing on Facebook probably like years ago where it was all about your doppelganger. And my doppelganger was either Anne Hathaway or Liv Tyler. So Mm. I would, based off of that's actually a huge compliment to myself. I, but... <laughs> thank I love both of them. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to compliment myself and be like, uh, one of those like super model people would play me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I love it. What would the movie be about? Would it be your life story? Would it be about career? Like, what would it be?
2: Uh, well, probably like Anne Hathaway's The Intern. It'd probably be something <laughs> like that where it's like. Yeah. But I would be the intern. I would be like the, the old person who
1: goes into the tech company to try to figure it out. I love that. I love that. Um, if you could have drinks or coffee or whatever it is with anyone living or dead, who would it be?
2: Oh, man, that is a really tough one. Um, there's so many women I'm obsessed with. Um, I would definitely get drinks. Um, yeah. I'm more of a cocktail person. If I'm going to be meeting this person who I'm you know, wild about, um, Michelle Obama is really high on the yes. list um i'm talking to Anne marie slaughter she's uh, a woman who um she's basically like a a policy expert but she wrote this article for the atlantic called why women still can't have it all and i will admit she's i'm pretty fangirling a lot over Ah. chatting with her um I mean, I, the list goes on, so I'll, I'll, yeah. <laughs> I'll, we'll be here all day.
1: Otherwise, great, but great women. I love it. Okay. If there, um, uh, if there was a plane outside of wherever you are right now, where would you have it take you? Ooh.
2: Um, somewhere where there's like a legit fall weather, like maybe like yeah. rain or somewhere over there. I, I want like leaf changing colors. Yeah. And like a lake you know something I want to have foliage yeah, all of it, yes, all of it.
1: <laughs> love it um who is your celebrity crush
2: oh um uh Sam Heughan the guy from Outlander he's oh yeah I, okay I recently binged that show and I was like I don't know who you are but now I know who you are and you're on my radar
1: <laughs> I love it I love it um, what if, if three? So, let's say that plane was taking you to somewhere fall foliage and you could only bring three things, not people or pets or anything. What would you What three items would you bring?
2: Oh, this is <laughs> uh, well, I for my first reaction was like, I'd probably bring my phone, but yeah, made, me too. You know, obviously, need to stay in touch with people. Um, I would probably need to bring a well, I guess there's a camera on my phone. Uh-huh. What else would I bring? Um Probably my headphones, I could listen yeah. to music while I'm in those fall leaves.
1: Yeah. Um, and like a bottle of wine, I would bring And off. like something to hold on to my hot drink while I'm in the leaves. Like, this is all about the leaves. I mean, this is all about the leaves. You need to go to Maine or like Vermont. I, or something. I really do. I really do. I'm I'm, I'm going to
2: manifest that out in the evening. Yes,
1: I love it. Okay. If you could extend the day by one hour, so you had one extra hour in the day to do anything, what would you, what would you do?
2: I would, I really love boxing, uh, like kickboxing classes. And I really wish I had more time to actually like like, and that's a lie because obviously I have all the time. And I just don't <laughs> it. But I wish that I, if I had more time in the day, I would really like to like do that and be super active and hit some stuff. Yeah.
1: Oh, I like it. I like it. Um, Okay. What motto or quote do you try to live by every day, or just your favorite quote, or um, you know, slogan, something?
2: Um. So recently, my slogan has been to make a power move. You know, don't mm-hmm. let fear hold you back from doing that thing that you want, but also sort of making decisions that are truly rooted in what I want and what I need and not, on you know, unrealistic expectations or society or what you saw on Instagram. So I've been trying really hard to, um, you know, make power moves, but up until then I would say the the one that kind of I lived by was that everything happens for
1: a reason. Yes, me too. That's always been one that I go to. How can you not? Right. It's yeah. you have, so and true.
2: everyone has a story, like how that, like, lived, yes. you know, they lived that.
1: Absolutely. I love it. Um, okay. Where can, well, first, so I, I want you to tell where everyone can follow you on Instagram and everything, but first, um, can you give a little information about your book when that might be happening and then a little bit about your podcast if people don't know of it?
2: Yeah. So my book, that's a very good question. Uh, my publish date has been moved a few times, so we'll just say 2020, wow. um, and it, I know <laughs> uh, it's, it's been a wild ride just in every way with that. But, uh, my book is called, uh, power moves and it's how women can pivot, reboot and build a career of purpose. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so again, 2020, yeah, I'm really excited. And my podcast is called the females, which is spelled F E M A I L S it's mm-hmm. a play on, you know, obviously. Emails and women, it's all about women and work. And what's really fun about the podcast is we really kind of investigate traits of success, but every season has a theme. So right now we're in the theme of courage. So we're talking about courageous moves. And we always think about like, okay, yes, there's that traditional courage, but what about like the quieter courage um, and and what it takes to kind of be successful and fulfilled and and make those courageous acts. So courage is the current season we've done. Uh, The one we did before was disruption and uh, we had uh, meltdowns and comebacks. So every time we're trying to Kind of put a unique spin on it, and then in, in terms of where people can find us, it's at Career Contessa on every social platform. We're um, very active on Instagram, yeah. so that's usually a good place. And then I'm at Lauren McGoodwin on Instagram.
1: Awesome. Amazing. Oh my God. This was so, fun. I feel like I had so much more I could talk to you about, but obviously we can't be on <laughs> for hours. Uh, but thank you so, so this was so informative. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. This was so fun. All right. Well, everyone follow Lauren, follow the Career Contesta website, go to uh the podcast, everything, check it all out. And as always, you can follow me at Julie Lauren 14, and I'll talk to you very soon. Bye bye.